The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans, and welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here. We are part of the Buffalo Rumblings podcast channel. Of course, we are joined by Blitzed Bills, Buffalo Rumblings Q&A, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, Circling the Wagons, and of course, the Nick and Nolan show. But here on Believe, you are fortunate enough to have myself, John Bacchusel, alongside my co-host, Jamie D'Amico, talking Buffalo Bills football twice a week during the regular season. So don't get too tired of our lovely voices out here as we bring you the latest news and opinions from One Bills Drive. We are very thrilled to be talking tonight about a Bills victory. The Buffalo Bills snatched victory from the jaws of defeat at MetLife Stadium in week one of the 2019 opener, uh, trailing 16 to nothing at one point going into the fourth quarter before emerging with a 17 to 16 victory over just a huge win, a comeback win for Josh Allen, a huge road win against a divisional foe and a game that most people think will come back to uh, have a big impact in some way, shape, perform on the AFC wildcard picture and playoff picture, but that's way, way down the road for right now. Let's enjoy the fact, Jamie, that Josh Allen looked less than average, less than stellar for a lot of the, uh, you know, the, fr- I'm, I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to sugarcoat it here and we'll get into, we'll get into the flaws that Josh uh, exhibited and the, the concerns that Bills fans should have, but let's get to the raw moment right here, right now, Jamie, the Bills pull this win out as we sit here recording the podcast. How do you feel about the week one comeback? It's nice to walk out of week one with a win. Uh, now, l- let's be clear. This was not the Chiefs versus the Patriots. This was not that well of a played game. Um, but you know what? You got to win ugly. And sometimes that's what you have. I don't think this team is going to win a lot of pretty games. I think that, you know, this is what we're looking at here. A defense that plays well, an offense that grinds it out. Hopefully you have fewer turnovers, but they may have part of a formula in place here. And hey, it's week one. It's a win. Let's enjoy that a little bit. 
Let's celebrate. Let's enjoy that victory here on the Believe podcast. The Buffalo Bills winning to go to 1-0 and on the young scene. The New York Jets, of course, falling to 0-1 with the defeat at Life Stadium. The first of two straight games the Bills will play in the state of New Jersey. Uh, the New York Giants, of course, the Week 2 opponent coming up at 1 o'clock back at MetLife Stadium on Sunday afternoon. But, Jamie, switching back and looking at one uh, for the Buffalo Bills, uh, we can, you know, we'll, we'll dissect the good, the bad, and the ugly of Josh Allen, but I want to give some credit to this Buffalo Bills defense because for the longest time, the only way that the Jets were going to score on Sunday was if the Buffalo Bills did the scoring for them, uh, both in the inadvertent uh, pick six that bounced off of Cole Beasley's hands into C.J. Mosley, who took it in for a touchdown, and then the Frank Gore getting stuffed for a safety on the Bills' first play of the third quarter. So, you know, 8 nothing. the Bills are down, but the Jets hadn't done much of anything on offense, and I think a lot of credit has to go to Leslie Frazier and this defense. Boy, you talk about bending but don't break. They brought it every time that the Bills needed a big play. For the most part, the defense was able to deliver it, and every one of those big stops was needed because, you know, that combined with, uh, Corey uh, Vedovic missing the extra point and pushing a 45-yard field goal, you know, against a team that has a sort of reliable kicker, the Bills might be have talked about going to overtime versus having a 17-16 win. Yeah, the defense really seemed to scheme well for the Jets. They were kind of selling out to stop the run, which is something that they needed to do with Le'Veon Bell. Sam Darnold didn't look very good. I mean, he he completed a decent number of passes, but they were all underneath. It was exactly what Buffalo wanted, which was to keep the game in front of them. Played right into their hands, and it's obvious that the Jets don't have an awful lot of faith in Sam Darnold. Otherwise, they would have been trying to get downfield a bit more than they did. And they had a couple, couple of opportunities to do that, and Darnold just didn't didn't hit his man, which happy to see that. Um, the other thing to really take note in is something that the Bills did struggle with a bit, which was as the game wore on, Le'Veon Bell, man, that guy is good. It doesn't seem like he lost anything sitting out a year. Um, I, I mean, he was just as just as slippery as, as he always was, just as patient. And man, that guy has some good hands. The Jets, one of their parts of the game plan, besides, of course, involving one of the top three running backs in the league and Le'Veon Bell heavily in the game plan was getting him out of the flat, catching passes from Sam Darnold. And but I do want to say that, you know, as much as Le'Veon Bell had a huge impact on the game, his numbers were it was more of a volume play for for Le'Veon. He rushed only three and a half yards a carry, seven, 60 yards rushing on 17 carries. He caught six passes for 32 yards. He had a two-point conversion grab that he made, which I really thought the Bills were going to knock down, but instead it gets lofted over the cornerback's hands and into Bell's mitts, and that puts the Bills down 16 to nothing. And at that point, Jamie, I think a lot of Bills fans were turning off their TV, were going to grab a cold one, were thinking that the game is over with and Buffalo's going to go. In fact, at one point I read Buffalo had – a 2% chance of winning or something around there when that two-point conversion pass found its way to Bell's hands. Buffalo gets this frenetic comeback going in the fourth quarter. And as bad as Josh Allen looked in the first, and you know what, I'll back it up. I don't even think Josh Allen looked terrible. There were plays he made, you know, there were, there were some throws that weren't his fault. Um, the Cole Beasley interception was not his fault. 
one of the fumbles, the offensive line gave him no time. And now he maybe could have felt the presence a little bit more from the pass rush and try to get rid of the ball earlier or just, you know, do something to not take the fumble. But to be honest, Josh is going through the uh, through the ringer today. I feel like if you like Josh Allen, there's a lot to point to from this game and say, boy, he's a franchise quarterback. If you don't like Josh Allen, there's a lot to point to and say he's not a franchise quarterback. He had some interceptions that easily could have been caught by the Jets. In fact, there was one in the third quarter right before – or the fourth quarter, rather, right before the, uh, the Stephen Hauschka field goal where I believe Marcus May for the Jets had it right there in the end zone, dropped it. That led to the Bills getting the Hauschka field goal, and of course the Bills came back to win. Where do you fall, Jamie, on Josh Allen and your level of concern after week one? Well, let's not forget about the interception, the absolute horrible throw um, down the field that was intercepted that got called back because of a defensive holding call on the Jets. Um, I, I thought he was thoroughly average. You know, you you can expect that defensive backs aren't going to be the best at uh, holding, squeezing the ball when it comes to them. So you expect them to drop some of those. Um, you know, this was a middle of the pack game for Josh Allen. I don't think that it says anything about him either way when it comes to the actual performance. What I do think says a lot more about him is he was given a lot more rope in this game than he was at any time last year. If you noticed, he was calling a lot of audibles early in the game. And in fact, uh, that's something that the Bills coaching staff is being called out on. They're saying, well, what were they doing? Devin Singletary was so good. Why did they throw 19 consecutive passes to start the game? Well, I don't think that they were pass calls. If you looked, uh, Patrick DeMarco was out on the field and lined up in the backfield and then was splitting out as a receiver. I think if your plan is to throw the ball, he's not going to be out there split wide as he was in so many of those formations when they finally snapped the ball. That was Josh Allen audibling. He's switching into uh, pass plays, and that was because they were giving him the latitude to do that. Now, the Jets were stacking the box. They were basically saying, Josh Allen has to beat us. And the Bills are going to see a lot of that this year because if I were a defensive coordinator, I would want the same thing. Josh Allen was not very good last year. He had some great moments, but he was not a great quarterback. He's the one I would want to uh, to try to beat my team with his arm. What were your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I thought it was interesting. We kept watching the game and they kept calling, you know, whether it was an audible by Allen at the line or Brian Dable calling the pass play, the Bills did come out firing. I believe it took until their 23rd snap for a running back to physically get a touch uh, in the ground game. Everything else was pass, 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 or Josh Allen on a, a run or two. And you know what? I liked it. I liked the fact that we talked before during the preview that what the Jets do well versus where there's an advantage. There is an advantage in the passing game. There is an advantage if Buffalo could strike against their corners, strike against the safeties, and try to move the ball downfield. And when Josh had those turnovers, the interceptions, he looked good on the drives leading up to it. He looked very comfortable with Cole Beasley. He looked extremely comfortable with John Brown, who was our you know MVP on the offense, along with Devin Singletary, seven catches for a buck 23 and that 38-yard touchdown for the go-ahead score with less than three minutes to go. But I liked the fact that they let Josh go out there and make plays. And you know what? It shows through. This kid 
you can tell he's not afraid of the pressure. He's not afraid of some adversity with the way the turnovers went four in the first half. And they flashed that lovely stat out there about Nathan Peterman, you know, throwing that many turnovers. Uh, It was the first time the bills had had that much turnover in the first half since the Peterman game against the chargers. You're thinking, Oh my gosh, you know, don't be bringing up those parallels. Josh showed just how vastly different he is from Nathan Peterman with the last two scoring drives. He was eight of 10 for 103 yards. He ran for a touchdown after Devin Singletary got them down there basically single handedly. And then he had that beautiful ball to John Brown down the sideline on a play that I want to point out. Allen could have taken a shot downfield. He could have tried to find one of his other receivers who was double covered down the right sideline. Instead, he lofts the pass up there, a back shoulder throw that Brown's able to make a play on. Smoke goes up, gets it, goes to the end zone. Bills get the win. To me, that's the Josh Allen that the Bills franchise believes in for drafting number seven overall last year. The guy has heart. There's no doubt about that. And it seems as though his teammates are really rallying around him. I mean, Jordan Poyer referred to him as a savage and said that he'd go into battle with him any day. That's really something that you want to hear, especially from the defensive side of the ball, when it could so easily be a situation where they're pointing fingers at the offense for not moving the ball, even though through through the first half of the game, I, I believe the defense had only given up... Uh, six points themselves the defense looked very deflated I thought after the safety but when the Bills got back on the field and started moving the ball again you could tell that they were kind of brought back into the game and their heart was back in it and I I don't think in any small part that was Josh Allen I feel like they have a really good combination of personalities on that team and I think that there's a lot of respect for him and it goes beyond the numbers you know It, it goes beyond how many completions and his, uh, how many interceptions he throws. You need a leader at the position, and it seems like that's what he's bringing to the table right now. Especially, yeah, you got to love the clutch plays that Josh Allen is able to put on the field. His completion percentage was incredibly high. I believe it was a career best for him at 65%, which we've all been talking along about Josh needing to get that completion percentage up to the 60% neighborhood versus 53 that it was at during his rookie season. But of course, we're not talking about a comeback if the defense doesn't play out of their minds and really show that, you know, last year, I know the Jets offense is not you know, the New England Patriots, but they do have an up and coming quarterback. They had some good wide receivers. Jamison Crowder did catch 14 passes, but only for 99 yards. He wasn't going anywhere downfield. Robbie Anderson had a couple of catches. He really wasn't much of a factor. And Le'Veon Bell again gets held to 92 yards of total offense between the running, rushing and receiving. The Jets had 227 yards of offense on 61 plays from scrimmage. That's 3.72 yards per play. That defense was smothering on, on Sunday, Jamie. And, and really, I think it all comes down to the fact that what a lift this unit got from Ed Oliver, who was able to go out there. And even though I believe he only had two tackles on the day, he was able to go in there and push around the pocket, uh, cause frustrations for Sam Darnold. And his presence allowed Jerry Hughes to have a fantastic day with one and a half sacks. Hughes was fantastic yesterday. And uh, a- another player, Matt Milano, seemed like he was all over the field. I, I know I know Tremaine Edmonds seems to be getting a lot of the press, but man, I, I thought Milano was absolutely one of the best players out there playing like his hair was on fire. Now, 
he did have issues trying to keep up with Le'Veon Bell when it came to the passing game. And later on, you saw that that was switched over to Saran Neal oftentimes with no better results. In fact, while we're on that subject, it may be time to admit that Saran Neal is just not a slot corner. Yeah, yeah. I think the Bills need to find somebody else to uh, to step up there, and he can be more of a depth versus a a slot cornerback guy because uh, there was it was not a pretty game uh, for him. Although going back to the positive side of it, Levi Wallace had an outstanding uh, game. To the fact that I, it seems pretty clear, at least to me, that he has supplanted you know Kevin Johnson on the depth chart at cornerback. Levi almost had a big interception. He broke up two passes total, held his own on the outside opposite Trey White. So the, the defense all around Jordan Poyer had a sack. He had a bunch of tackles coming off the edge. You know, the defense just did a great job, and it was really impressive to see what this Bills defense could do on the road because when you're when your offense is struggling to score anything you know the defense can maybe feel pressure to make a play uh try to step up their game a bit and maybe you overplay maybe you press too much that leads to a big play that never happened on sunday those played within themselves they contained and harassed sam donald all game long and it was just really cool and shaq lawson too i know that he's running a lot with the second teamers but you know you saw a lot of that high motor high energy guy that we saw last year in the second half of the season uh, really getting after it never letting sam darnold get comfortable Somebody's playing for a contract, do you think? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, he looks particularly good off of the uh, off of the left defensive end, which would be um, the right side of the defensive line, but left defensive end if you're on offense. He, he seems to be just a little bit more comfortable uh, over there, but, you know, he's not going to be taking too many snaps away from Jerry Hughes. Um, he was spelling Hughes for a little bit while Hughes had a breather, and he was making plays while he was out there. That's all you can really ask for a second string guy. And, you know, it it was nice. I would really like to see it get to the point where he and Trent Murphy are pushing each other and they the coaching staff doesn't know who to start week in and week out because they're both playing well. Um, I like what you had to say about uh, Ed Oliver. There was a couple of videos that were posted of him uh, just throwing offensive linemen around guys that outweighed him by a good 25, 30 pounds. He was smacking them aside with, with one hand. He was, uh, he was pushing double teams into the backfield. Uh, that's exactly what you need is that kind of pressure coming up the middle. Now I'm, I'm looking for him to develop as the year goes on. You know, he's, he's playing really strong and really quick right now. He's got to work on some of those pass rush moves because at this point, you see the raw materials in him. When, when when the bullets were flying yesterday, he was he was an animal out there. But with some refined technique, you know, we're we're gonna see a guy that's really going to develop. I'm excited to see him in the second half of the year. We think we know with Ed Oliver that there's going to be some growing pains, you know, teams are going to adjust, you know, to his freak athleticism. But the nice part about that, Jamie, is the Bills have depth on that defensive line. And the fact that Trent Murphy, you know, he doesn't have eye-popping stats, but his presence was felt. He was the one that came up and forced the big fumble on Sam Darnold that led to essentially the end of the game late in the fourth quarter when the Jets had one last gasp to drive downfield for a field goal. Trent Murphy, I thought, had an underrated game. We mentioned Shaq Lawson having a, a th- phenomenal effort out there as well. And of course, Jerry Hughes gets a lot of credit for, again, coming out and, and proving that he is the unquestioned pass 
pass rush leader on this Buffalo Bills defense. But you talk about rookies making an adjustment. I want to go back to the offensive side of the ball. The fact that we have now gone 18 plus minutes without talking about Devin Singletary really in depth shows just how many positives there were to talk about from this fourth quarter comeback win over the Jets. But to me, without Devin Singletary being the change of pace scat back who could you know break off the big long runs or catch the balls out of the backfield, Frank Gore, I love him. I love what he brings to the table, but he wasn't fooling anybody and why they were trying to run Frank Gore outside the tackle box yesterday was was beyond me. Devin Singletary, it's his job to lose when it comes to being that change of pace, speed back. And you know what? I, I meant, made this comparison earlier. Even though Bell, I think, had more total yards than Devin Singletary did, Singletary outplayed the all-pro uh, Le'Veon Bell by far, averaging more than nine and a half yards per touch between the receptions and the rushes out there. To me, it's an amazing debut for the third rounder. Yeah, four four rushes for seventy yards is is big, and he has those qualities that you can't quantify. Sort of like what we were talking about with Josh Allen earlier is in his leadership, the change of direction and the vision that they talked about with Devin Singletary is you really saw it in in motion. Now he had a couple of great lanes to run through. Uh, I thought the the run blocking really picked up in the second half. And I, I think we do need to talk about the fact that C.J. Mosley wasn't on the field at that point. It was incredible how the Jets defense seemed to fall apart without him on, on the field. And he made some big plays, including that pick six off of the uh, off the deflection from Beasley. I had no idea how much he meant to that team until he wasn't on the field. And, you know, it's going to happen. Injuries are going to happen during the season to both the Bills and their opponents. And you need to adjust and you need to compensate for it if it's an injury to your team. They never did. It, it was like their their heart and soul was gone as soon as he was off the field. And I believe they're saying that it was a groin injury that he had. And it was on a play that he broke up. Josh Allen, I believe, saw a linebacker lined up on John Brown and did as he should have, put the ball in the end zone. And that was the play that Mosley got his hand up, knocked the ball away. He injured his groin on that play. And that was the that was the turning point. One man really did make the Jets defense uh, tick uh, during the week one win for Buffalo. And CJ Mosley had the one interception of pick six. He was all over the field. He was containing the running game. He was spying on Josh Allen and effectively limiting what the Bills, you know, could do in certain parts of the field. And then it was key when Mosley does go out, Singletary took advantage. He had a 23-yard run, he had a 12-yard run, and he had a 15-yard run on the first possession of that final quarter after Mosley had gotten out of the game with his injury. So Buffalo took advantage. And you know what? For so long, Jamie, we've talked about, you know, they don't give away style points for pretty wins or, you know, ugly wins. It doesn't matter how well you look in getting the W. All that matters is you got the W. And for the Bills, it was a huge gut check to go down 16 points. It's only the third time in franchise history that the Buffalo Bills had entered the fourth quarter down by 13 or more points and came back to win. The last time they did that was 1991. They rallied from a 27 to 14 deficit to knock off the Raiders uh, in overtime, a game that the Bills eventually made the Super Bowl that season. And uh, the time before that was the season opener of the 1967 season. Lorenzo Alexander is only five years old uh, back then when the Jets 
blew a 17 nothing win and a lead and the bills pulled away for a 20 to 17 win over joe namath and the jets so this was a rare occasion for the bills teams to get down to look so thoroughly outplayed on the scoreboard and then come back and get the win i think there's a lot to be said for overcoming adversity and just the way that this bills team rallies around each other yeah josh allen's out there pumping up the guys giving them high fives but so is jordan phillips and people are picking him up you know he had a boneheaded penalty that kept a drive going and you're thinking holy cow that's going to be it the bills are going to give the ball back the jets are going to kick a field goal somehow some way with Corey vedvik who was abysmal with the special teams play but you, the, the bills teams of old would have found a way to lose that game and these new bills there's that camaraderie there's that sense of togetherness and they stuck it out and got the big win did you say lorenzo alexander was five years old in the 1960s lorenzo if you're listening to the podcast we love you out there you have to there's that fun little bills drinking bingo that's out there where whatever one of the commentators says something like lorenzo alexander makes a great play for a guy like his age you take a drink of your cold one and so i think i'll be drinking my entire beer if i had one at my disposal for uh that comment about lorenzo but again, he played he played awesome. You know, for a guy who's 37 years old, he's right there lockstep with Matt Milano and Trey Tremaine Edmonds, making that linebacking core very solid. Now, let's talk about the offensive system a little bit here. We had talked about how they were going to sort of emulate the Patriots a bit more. And that at least that's what I thought they were going to do with Cole Beasley in the game. It seemed like that's exactly what was happening that it was the crossing patterns that they were going to. And Beasley was, at least in the first half, looked like he was the engine that was driving that team. They seemed to get back to a, a little more of their traditional offensive taking shots more down the field. But between picking up the pace, throwing the ball a lot, having the underneath crossing patterns, what was your overall take? Did, did you like what you saw there? I did. I did. And that's what I was getting for this a little bit earlier on in the podcast. We were talking about, you know, Josh Allen and how much of this you blame on him. The Bills were moving the ball up and down the field those first couple of drives, just not getting points due to the turnovers uh, that were stalling out their drives. And I loved the fact that, you know, the Bills, we know how bad their receiving core was last year. And to prove that point, my boy Robert Foster did not have a single target. I don't believe he had a single snap on the field as a wide receiver because Cole Beasley and John Brown are in town, and there's two new sheriffs at the top of that wide receiver core. I loved the safety blanket that Cole Beasley provided, five receptions for 40 yards. Of course, Smoke Brown, awesome nickname. He can burn past you in a heartbeat. He had seven catches for 123 and the touchdown, and I like the fact that this is not your – Buffalo Bills team of old that's going to try to pound, 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 regardless of who the opponent is. You know, Brian Dable, I have to think, knew that the cornerbacks were susceptible to the passing game. They were susceptible to the Bills taking shots downfield and exploiting their corners, and they did just that on Sunday. They definitely did, uh, you know, late in the game. That's exactly where they went with it. Uh, but I, I liked I liked the short throws that were happening there. I, I think in the future, you're going to see a lot more runs between the tackles that was kind of the strength of the Jets defense right there in fact the bad snap that happened was pretty much because McClendon blew Mitch Morris right off the ball before he was even done snapping it um you know so instead of going into the teeth of the defense they're going over it taking advantage of the fact that the Jets don't have the best pass rush in the league and they certainly don't have 
very good corners. Uh, I thought Tremaine Johnson was actually not that bad of a player, but he's obviously not a number one in the league. Now, they have good safeties. You can't take that away from them. But it was, it, I, I thought the game plan was exactly what it needed to be. And I, and I think that the Bills coaching staff is taking criticism that they don't deserve uh, on this one. I, I think that it was well thought out and well, it could have been better executed, but there were aspects that were positive and I'm looking forward to go, going into the season a little deeper. And the most important thing to me was, is Josh Allen going to be able to hit his receivers in stride? If you can hit his receivers in stride, then we're looking at a team that's going to move the ball. The other thing I wanted to see from Josh Allen was, can he put touch on his throws? Well, the uh, the pickoff that got called back because of the defensive penalty, he put too much air onto that. However, another failed play told me a lot about Josh Allen. That was the one that he dropped in, dropped it in a bucket, and it hit Cole Beasley in the head because he didn't get his eyes on the ball quickly enough. That was a really good sign to me. That tells me that there's been a lot of development between Brian Dable and Josh Allen and really the the entire Bills offense as a whole. Having the time to throw that he did early in the game, that was really good too. I, uh, I I think that what we're seeing is an evolution of this team because now they have some more of the horses to do the things that they need to do in order to make that offense hap- happen and run optimally. Yeah, I, I like Jamie, and I agree with what you're talking about. Where it comes to uh, you know the the Bills, and, and and this is again, it wasn't it was a con- unconventional strategy for a Buffalo team to be throwing and throwing and throwing and not run the ball with their running back until the 19th snap of the game. But this also this pass heavy play calling really kept the Jets on their heels. They couldn't unload as much with the the front four blitzing and getting after Josh Allen in the offensive line because the passes were coming out so quickly out of Josh Allen's hands. You know, I felt like they really did a good job of taking away one of Greg Williams' strengths, which is the aggressive blitz schemes that he is so well known for. And, uh, you know, the Bills were driving downfield and and getting some good first downs even when the points were not coming. Um, I think that it's exciting to see the offensive line. You know, it wasn't the best day for the offensive line, but given the fact that four of the five guys were making their first appearance uh, in a Bills uniform, you know, John Feliciano had one really bad penalty, but he played pretty well uh, at the offensive line. Cody Ford and Ty and Shecky, that battle to see who's going to start um, is going to really be interesting to see the right tackle position because they kind of, uh, alternated back and forth until Insheki closed out the game on the last touchdown drive. He was in there at the right guard, but Cody played more than well enough to earn more reps there as well. So I think some stability from the offensive line, some continued development for Josh Allen in the passing game. Uh, there's a lot of real positives to take away from this victory here. And of course, uh, Jamie, as it means, the Bills are now undefeated, tied with the New England Patriots for first place in the AFC East. Yay! <laughs> Feels good, doesn't it? So in first place, first place team going into week two, what concerns you? 
Well, uh, Saquon Barkley uh, concerns me. Um, as much as the Bills bottled up Le'Veon Bell in the running game, I Saquon Barkley is a different running back altogether. And the Bills did one of their moments where they were not great yesterday. I thought Sunday's in Sunday's game, one of the areas the Bills were not great was uh, run defense, especially when it came down to their third down defense, where the Jets converted 41% of their third down conversions. And they did have some really... I thought gaping moments where the run game was able to get gouged, you know, by the Jets and their and their running game. And to me, that needs to be stopped when it comes to week two, because Saquon Barkley torched the, you know, the Dallas Cowboys on several occasions in week one. He's a guy who is explosive and can really make things miserable uh, for, for an opposing defense. So I'm not saying that the sky is falling in any way, shape or form, because I think the bills match up really well with the giants who might've lost another one of their receivers to Sterling Shepard in a possible concussion, which means they would have virtually no talented targets uh, for Eli Manning to, uh, to be throwing the ball downfield. So I I'm very excited and optimistic for this game coming up on Sunday, but the run game and the run defense does concern me. How about you? I, uh, I I think they've got a couple of couple of issues that are going to plague them going forward. It does not look like they have a sustainable slot corner on this team. It it started off with Teron Johnson in there. He got injured. Then Saron Neal took over. Neither of them looked very good yesterday. And I was I was really wondering what they were doing when they only kept four corners on the roster. I I thought that seemed rather thin considering. Teron Johnson and Kevin Johnson have both they both have a history of being injury prone. I said four, I meant five on the roster. Um, they kept five safeties. That didn't make sense to me at the time. I know that they there was some talent that they didn't want to let get away, but it doesn't look like they have anybody who can really handle the the slot position. Also, the complete lack of production out of the tight end position. Yeah, no, the tight end position definitely is one area where we can look to for the Bills to to get some improved uh, productivity from. But you know what, Jamie? At the end of the day, the Bills got a win where a lot of people said that they they shouldn't have gotten the win or a capable offense would have put them away. Well, you know what? They didn't. The Bills got the win 17-16. to 16. We will spin ahead, of course, uh, to next week uh, when the Buffalo Bills face the New York Giants on Sunday afternoon. That will be the topic of our next Believe podcast coming up later on this week. Of course, encourage all of our fans to become a fan of our podcast by uh, uh, subscribing to and rating our podcast on iTunes and Google Play and Spotify and Stitcher and everywhere else you go to find your podcasts. But for the time being, that will wrap us up here on Believe. We will have a full breakdown of the New York Giants and the Week 2 opponent for the Buffalo Bills coming up later this week on Believe, a Bills fan podcast.